And we hope that you were engaging with us right there in your homes tonight. And as you've heard me say many times, if you've come to the Oasis, if that didn't bless you, your blesser is broken. That was amazing, amazing. And that's what we want to continue to do right now, is we want to continue to just behold our God and to focus on the Lord Jesus. So if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in the book of Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15 through verse 20 tonight looking at this great passage of Scripture on the supremacy of Jesus Christ, the incomparableness of Jesus Christ, and and why Paul breaks in at this moment of this letter to write about this is because this was the single most important issue in the church at Colossae and really in the lives of the Colossian Christians. And the same thing is true today. If you and I don't get Jesus right, then nothing else in our life will be right. We must get Jesus right, and and we must have an ever-growing view and opinion and regard and esteem for who Jesus is. Again, it affects everything about us. You know, Paul's already talked to the Colossians about the work that God wants to continue to do in their lives, that work of faith, that work of hope, that work of love that he talked about earlier on so that then they could be his workmanship and God could work in them so that he could work through them like he's done with Paul and Epaphras and Timothy to the Colossian Christians. But in all of that, if if we don't center everything that we do around who Jesus Christ is, and if we're not doing it for Jesus, if we're not keeping our eyes on Jesus, if he's not the everything and and all of that, then it, it doesn't matter. And, and what had happened is in, Colossia, in Colossae, there were these false teachers that had come in and started to spread false doctrine, and, and, and their doctrine was diminishing the person of Jesus Christ. That, that they were bringing Jesus Christ down in the eyes of the Colossian Christians. And Paul wants to set Jesus back up where he belongs. And so Paul wrote these words to the Colossian Christians. And I just want you to follow along with me. And something you'll notice in many of your Bible translations, you will notice that this is offset. Verse 15 through 20 is offset from the normal typesetting of the rest of Colossians. Why is that? Because I believe that these verses were an early worship song in the church. It was, it was a way for the church not only to worship the Lord Jesus, but to remember the truth. You know, a lot of times even today, you and I remember the lyrics of the songs that we sing and that we know. It's a way to retain truth. The same thing was true in the early church. They put much of their doctrine to music and to worship so that they could sing it and so that they could retain it, so that it would settle down into their hearts. And so notice what Paul says. He, Jesus, the one that he talks about in verse 12 and 13, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For all things in heaven and on earth were created by him. All things, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions, whether principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and all things are held together in him. He is the head of the body, the church, as well as the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he himself may become first in all things. 
For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in the Son, and through him to reconcile all things to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, through him, whether things on earth or things in heaven. I don't pretend to be able to stand before you tonight and in any way adequately exalt who Jesus Christ is. I'm just going to try to let the Word of God speak for me tonight. Because no matter how lofty we think Jesus is, even right now in our own minds and hearts, he's loftier. No matter how great we think Jesus is, no matter how high we regard Jesus, he's even beyond that, you see. And that's why a healthy Christian life is one that is an ever-increasing, growing esteem and regard for who Jesus is. It's that his value and worth is far above anything and everyone else that I could ever come in contact with in the universe. And that's where Paul wants to put Christ back. In a sense, he wants to put Christ back where he belongs, at the very top of everything in the universe, you see. There was a preacher that I knew once who was telling the story that when he would get up to preach, if, if he went a few minutes and hadn't said something to exalt or to lift up Jesus Christ, there was a, a gal in his church that would say, get him up, get him up. And she was basically saying, come on, it, it's time that we raise Jesus up in, in front of us and, and lift him up and exalt him. And so, you know, he, he made sure that when he got into a message that it wasn't long before he was beginning to lift up Jesus. And, and listen, there's no better practice for any of us, no better habit we could get in than even we start the day by lifting up Jesus Christ, by exalting him, by putting him where he belongs, by giving him first place in our lives and our hearts and our minds, and by acknowledging who he really is. And Paul does that, first of all, notice, by reminding us that Jesus reveals God in verse 15 because he is God. The invisible God has become visible. God in skin is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ put a face for us on who God is. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Holy Spirit. You've observed who God is. I am God, and I reveal God as perfectly and as clearly as, as he could be revealed because I am God, you see. I am the image of the invisible God. Image or the concept of image involves three things, likeness, representation, and manifestation. We were created in the image of God, but we're not the image of God. Only Jesus Christ is the perfect likeness of God, the perfect representation to us of God, and the perfect manifestation of what God is like or who God is like to us. Because again, he is God. And as such, Paul goes on to say he is the firstborn over all creation, the preeminent one who was behind all of creation, who's now been brought into view. He is the one who has the right to rule over everything in the universe because by him, through him, and for him is everything that's ever been created, Paul said. Jesus holds the position of priority in creation, just as we're going to see a little bit later on in verse 18. He also holds the position of priority in the church. 
Can you imagine? Paul is saying, everything that's ever been created was created by Jesus Christ and even sustained by him, and yet how many human beings have landed here in their lifetime only here because Jesus created them and brought them into existence, and yet they do not acknowledge their creator at all? You and I as Christians especially need to acknowledge the one who created it all, including us. And to be in awe and wonder at the God who brought this all into being. Notice verse 16. All things in heaven, all things in earth, first of all, were created by him, brought into existence out of nothing. This word created, used to speak of Jesus as our creator, only applies to God, because only God can create out of nothing. Let me encourage you tonight. Just as we see in the Bible where, you know, someone may have five loaves and two fish, and Jesus can even take that and multiply and use it, that's great, and God can do that too, but God can also bring something out of nothing. And so tonight, wherever you are, you may think, I've got nothing to to bring to God, nothing to give to God. That's okay, because guess what? God created the entire universe out of nothing. God can still do miracles. God is a God of wonder. Again, no matter how great you conceive God to be, He's beyond it. He's beyond our ability to be able to conceive His greatness And and when we begin to think and contemplate creation, notice, not only were all things in heaven created by him, but he goes on to say, whether they're visible or invisible, meaning even in the physical universe, things that we can touch and feel, and things like the molecules and the atoms and things that, that make up the physical universe that we can't see. But then he also goes on and says, even in the spiritual world, he created it all. Even the hierarchy of spiritual beings, whether they be now, you know, the evil spirits or the, you know, God created all of them at one time. He didn't certainly create them to be evil. They fell of their own choice and of their own accord, but God created the spiritual world and the physical world, and everything outside of him was brought into existence only by him and his mighty hand. Verse 16 also reminds us of the the different degrees there is in the spiritual world. Thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, all of it brought into existence again by Jesus Christ. He is the architect. He is the designer. But notice Paul goes on to say at the end of verse 16, he's also the builder. He's the agent of creation because all things also were created, were built, were formed, were shaped Through him, not only did he design it all, not only did he plan it all, he's the one who brought it in to existence. And then, verse 16, for him. You see there that Jesus Christ is not only the designer of creation and not only the builder of creation, he's the goal of creation. Everything was created to bring him glory and to live in relationship and alignment to him. Think about that. Think about how many, even just human beings, who are just part of his creation, have lived their whole life never in a relationship or in alignment with the one who brought them into existence. 
You see, Paul is saying it is a Christ-centric universe. It's all made for him, which is why one day, the Bible even says every knee will one day bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything in creation is going to acknowledge Jesus one day as the supreme, as the one who brought it all in by him, through him, for him. Let me just share with you for a a moment some things that just I came across in, in reading about God's wonderful creation. It just brings me a little bit more in awe of God. Our sun is a giant star, 93 million miles away, and yet we are warmed by it, obviously, every day. And yet you could put a million Earths into the sun and still have plenty of room left over. Think about that. Our Jesus did that. And yet there's a star that they've discovered called Antares that is 6,000 times larger than our sun. How big is that? Our Jesus did that. How about the tail of a comet? They say that it can go as far as 10,000 miles. And yet the dust from that comet can fit in a Dixie cup. Our Jesus did that. There's stars called white dwarfs that aren't maybe as big as other stars. In fact, one that I'm thinking of, I was reading about, isn't even the size of the state of Texas. And yet if you brought one cubic inch of that star down to earth, it's so dense it would weigh 1.5 trillion tons. Our Jesus did that. And one chromosome in the human body that Jesus made, there are 20 billion bits of information. How much is that? Take a book about the size of your Bible. 4,000 of those would probably contain 2 billion bits of information. One chromosome. Our Jesus did that. I was reading one day about bees, because bees fascinate me, and the Bible talks about, you know, observing bees and ants and things like that to just get to the wonder of our Creator. Jesus Christ created bees to be able to develop their own air conditioning for their hive. See, when it gets too hot outside and the wax inside the hive begins to melt, One group of bees goes to the front door of the hive. The other group of bees stays on the inside of the hive, and they flap their wings in such a fashion that it pulls the hot air out of the hive and draws the cool air in. Our Jesus taught them to do that. Here's one that may creep you out. There's more insects in one square mile of rural land out in the country, obviously not in the city, than there are human beings on planet Earth. Our Jesus made all of them. And I could go on and on. Jesus is the creator of all this. And we should wonder and be in awe and remind ourselves that everything that we see and even that we can't see was brought into existence by him, through him, and for him. 
We need to give Him the due. We need to see the value and worth that He is and live in awe and worship of Him. And Paul is saying to the Colossians, don't live diminishing Jesus in any way. Live continuing to get Him higher and higher and higher and realize that the one who's doing this work in you and this work through you is the same one that brings the universe into being. But is also, notice verse 17, also the one and no other one who is before all things. It not only means he should be in front of or ahead of or superior to all things, it speaks of his pre-existence, that he is prior to all things. That Jesus Christ, like God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, is the eternal God, always been. You know, questions I even get from children, and I can't answer it, is, well, you know, how old is God? Or how, how, explain to me how God has always been. It's like, I can't. I can't explain that. And yet it's the truth. God has He has no beginning. He has no end. He has always been before all things. And by the way, Paul is saying in 15 and in verse 17 and verse 18, he and no other. There's an exclusivity to Jesus Christ. There's no one else like him in the universe. You see. In fact, I want to say this for a moment before I forget. You'll notice in verse 15, the word is, he is. Verse 17, he himself is. The word is in verse 18, he is the head. Meaning he's not only preeminent, he not only has the place of priority or position in the universe, he not only is preexistent, he's a God who's present. He's not just the God of the past and the God of the future. He's the God of the present. He's right here, right now, just as powerful, just as capable, just as able now, right now in your life and my life. The same God that brought all of this to be is the same God who we can allow to be in our life and work in our life and walk with in our life every day. That same God, He is very present. That's why Paul or excuse me, the author of Psalm 46 says, God is our strong refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. You may feel like you're going through a season of very big trouble right now in your life. Maybe for many, a multiplicity of reasons. Guess what? God's present. And God's presence can change everything because He's this God. He's this God. Notice it says, all things are held together in Him. Everything in the universe is maintained, sustained, and upheld by Jesus Christ. In a sense, Jesus is the glue of the universe. Without Him, everything would just be chaotic and implode and explode. You know, he's the one that keeps the earth on its you know, proper axis, just far enough away from the sun that we are warm, but not too close to the sun that we get burned up. And by the way, speaking back to creation, do you realize that the earth travels around the sun eight times faster than a bullet comes out of a gun? And yet God keeps us all together. It's not gravity that keeps us glued together. It's Jesus that is the glue of the universe. Because Jesus is behind the gravity. 
And if Jesus Christ can sustain and uphold and maintain this entire universe, which is greater and bigger than, again, we can even wrap our minds around, Jesus Christ can be the glue of your life. He can sustain you through the most difficult days of your life. He can uphold you. Just put yourself in His mighty hands, the hands that brought all of this that we've talked about tonight and so much more into being by Him, through Him, for Him. If you place your life in His hands, He is more than enough to sustain because he keeps the universe going every day. And as I've said before, you and I certainly don't go to bed every night just fretting over, I wonder if the universe is going to implode. I wonder if the sun's not going to come up tomorrow. We, we, just, we take for granted that the universe is just going to keep on, you know, bebopping along. Why do we? Because Jesus Christ has been doing it. Now, there are times as we're experiencing right now that we will have a dramatic, divine disruption in the universe. And I'll be talking a little bit about that in the coming weeks. But right now, I want you to be encouraged by this. Jesus Christ holds everything in the universe together in Him. He's the glue of the universe. He can be our glue as well. Not only, though, does Jesus hold the position of priority in creation, in the universe. He also is to hold it in the church. Notice Paul says, He and He alone is the head of the body, the church. He is to be the source. He is to be the support. He is to be the leader of the church. And not just generally, but specifically, even individual local churches like the Oasis. I'm not to be the leader. You're not to be the leader. Jesus is to be the leader of every church because He's the head. And we are to look to Him for our direction of what we do and when we do it, you see. He is the beginning. This means He's the one who sets the agenda. We don't set the agenda for the church. We allow Jesus to do that because He's the head. He's the one that sets things in motion. I love being part of a church where I have fellow leaders, where we're all just looking to God for the next thing. Because that's the way it should be. That's the way God designed it. Now, I'm not saying that as human beings we can't get you know, together and we can't do some planning and all that. That's, that's prudent. But I love the fact that we always here at the Oasis leave room for God. And leave room for God to work, whether it's 10 months ahead of time or two minutes before we walk on a platform, that we're always looking to him saying, okay, Jesus, where do you want to go from here? I love that because he's the head. The body doesn't turn the head. The head turns the body. And Jesus Christ is always to have the preeminent place in not only creation, but in the church. Think of it. If we as an individual, local assembly of believers, if, if we don't let Jesus be the head, then we're totally out of alignment. We're totally out of sync. We're, we're not able to 
to be who God created the church to be if we're not allowing Jesus, the one who is the head, to be the head, you see. Well, Paul then says this. At the end of verse 18, I've shared all this with you so that he himself, Jesus, may become first in all things. Not some things. All things. If Jesus Christ is, who, is truly as great as it's been revealed here, then Paul says, isn't it just logical that he gets first? He's, he's the priority. He takes precedence over everything and anything else. Paul says, that's the way it should be individually in our lives. A question we all need to contemplate is this. Is Jesus Christ first in my life? Is my relationship with him taking precedence over everything else? Is he, in a sense, getting my first fruits or just the leftovers? Again, our view of who Jesus, our Lord, is affects everything in our life, especially our worship. Because worship is always tied to the value and worth of something or someone. And if we truly believe that Jesus Christ has greater value and worth than anything else, then that means we will live a lifestyle of worship every day. That every day we will wake up and not, not be able to wait until we can have an opportunity to come into the presence of God and thank Him for who He is and show our appreciation and our adoration and our admiration for Him. Because He should be first in all things. Notice Jesus Christ was the pleasure of God the Father. For God the Father was pleased, verse 19, to have all the fullness, all the abundance of God, the totality of God dwell in the Son permanently. And by the way, that ties into what we've said already from Colossians 2.10 where Paul wrote, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus and you meaning each of us as believers in Jesus Christ, have been filled in Him. If Jesus Christ is as great as the Bible declares Him to be and reveals Him to be, and you and I are in Him, then shouldn't that change how confidently we approach every day? That, that to be in Jesus Christ, the one who is brought about the universe, who sustains the universe, who's done all this and continues to do all this, if I'm in him, then I have more than enough to meet any challenge or any obstacle or any situation that I will ever face. And Jesus is not only the pleasure of the Father, he's the peacemaker between God and men. And we're going to talk more about this then beginning next week, but through him... God was able to reconcile, again, all things to himself because Jesus made peace through the blood of his cross. Again, things in heaven, things in earth. We'll talk more about that next week. 
I said to you at the very beginning that there's no way humanly that any of us could do justice to who Jesus Christ is. I simply wanted to try in some feeble way to just point us all back to what the Word of God already says about Jesus. And to hopefully be moved and and touched that these aren't just words on the page. This is who Jesus really is. This is the Jesus one day that you and I are going to see face to face one day. This is a Jesus that, again, no matter how lofty we make Him, He's loftier still. No matter how great He is in our minds, He's greater still. And Paul's saying to the Colossians as well as to us, this is who we need to start with every day and this is where we need to start with every day. Because our work, even for Christ, is going to miss the mark if the one we're doing it all for isn't this Jesus. And that we're not taking Him into account in all that we do. And even being inspired and motivated by our Jesus. So that we can live more confidently and courageously and boldly. Again, no matter what the circumstances of our life. I'll leave you with this story and then I'm going to ask Nicole if you'd come and maybe we'd end on a song of worship tonight. In the very famous painting of the Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci, when da Vinci was finished the painting, he invited one of his dear friends that he highly respected to come and be the first one to see the finished painting of Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper. As his friend observed the painting, one of the first things out of his mouth was he was struck and captivated by the cup that Jesus was holding in his right hand. Da Vinci, they say, was horrified by that comment. And immediately took his paintbrush and began to paint out the cup in Christ's hand. So if you see da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper today, you will see that his left hand is reached up to bless, but his right hand is reached out in a welcoming gesture. Because da Vinci said these words when his friend said, why are you painting out the cup? It's so beautiful. And da Vinci said this, nothing should detract from Jesus Christ. That pretty much sums up, I think, what Paul is trying to get us to see today. Nothing should detract or diminish Jesus Christ in our eyes, in our hearts, and in our minds. We should be able to put Jesus in full view and not allow anything else to crowd Jesus out, to become more special or more important than Jesus Christ. The only reason we're here, the only reason we're breathing, the only reason we're able to worship Him and live our lives every day 
is because of him. He brought each of us into existence. He designed us. He created us. He sustains us. Therefore, all of our glory should go back to him. Let's pray. God, I would ask you now to just enable us, God, to open up our spiritual eyes and our spiritual hearts to our Jesus. To maybe see him, God, like we've never seen him before. Or maybe, God, just to get a fresh glimpse of him. God, to maybe continue or to begin to live our lives more in awe and wonder of Jesus every day. When we think about the vastness of creation, when we think about everything that Jesus created from the largest star in the universe to the tiniest insect or molecule that Jesus brought into existence, God, it's all for Him. Everything is to go back to Him. Everything is to reflect the Creator and the glory of our Creator. And God, especially for those of us that are the new creation of God in Christ, we should live every day to His glory reflecting back upon Him the wonder of the Creator that He is. And as the church, God, let's allow Him to be the head because He is the head. He should be the one and only leader of our churches. The one that we look to. The one that we get our direction from. The one that we get our wisdom and guidance from. It all should flow and come from Him. Because in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge forever and ever. God, what a privilege we have as mere human beings to be able to worship You, God. God, would You accept our worship of You now as we lift up our hearts and our voices to You now? as we adore you, as we admire you, God, in our presence. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We invite you back at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, once again, as we're going to be right here again, just worshiping our Lord and getting back into the Word so that we can continue to allow worshiping the Word to complement each other and, and drive us more and more to Him. The more we're in His Word and learning about how great He is, the more we want to worship Him. And the more we worship Him, the more we want to get back into His Word and learn again more about how great He is. So we hope here at the Oasis you'll just continue to join us here and be uplifted and be refreshed uh, as, as you come uh, through your homes there and visit us on Sundays and Wednesday nights. Thanks again for being with us. God bless.